Read Me Romance? Help support our podcast and enter to win an end of summer video chat with your favorite lady DJs. It's the summer reading program. From now until September 1st, you can enter to win by sharing what you've read this summer and tag us. That's it. All you have to do is tag Read Me Romance on social media and we'll add your name into the drawing. Three lucky winners will get to video chat with the hosts of Read Me Romance to talk about books and answer all of your burning romance questions. We really appreciate your support. Hey, lady listeners. What's up, lady DJs? What's up? Let's do this. Welcome back to Mink Week. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. We're so excited to play the second half of the book in a little while. I had a little thing I wanted to tell you guys, though. Tell me. About. I just, it's just something I thought was nice. It's no is- Cardi B rap. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it on Monday. <laughs> I know, right? I'm glad I didn't follow it with this. Um, <laughs> but there's this. This golfer, he won like a, I guess like a big PGA Tour championship, Colin Morikawa. Uh, And I wanted to, he credits his girlfriend with winning. And I wanted to read what he said because I thought it was so nice. He said, I'm very lucky to have her. Kat has been by my side through it all. She would hate me if I didn't say, if I didn't say this, but I didn't start winning in college until she showed up in my life. (laughs) <laughs> so thanks, Kat. Whenever she's there, it's it always just gets me away from golf. She knows how I feel, how I'm feeling after golf. Like you said, she she's played collegiately. She knows golf can take a toll on you, whether it's good or bad day. So she's on that same swing of of it. If we're playing well or not well, but yeah, I'm very lucky to have her. Having someone at dinner makes things a lot nicer than sitting down there at a hotel, the hotel by myself. <laughs> And he kissed her after he won. And there's all these pictures of them, like, mooning at each other on the golf course. Aww. And I'm, like, really obsessed with it. <laughs> oh, do you know that I actually, the Steve Irwin's daughter, did you see her pregnancy announcement this week? Um, the, yeah. Do you know where Steve Irwin, Irwin that was, like, that died Baby with Irwin. the same, Yeah. His, yeah. So, she just got married, like... Two months ago. I think her name's Bendy. She, Bendy Irwin. She's on Instagram. And she just did her pregnancy announcement with her husband. And they're holding up a little khaki onesie. And it's the cutest thing ever. It is like almost as if she found a male version of herself. Yep. And married him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like. He's so uh, sweet. He seems. He's into animals. He's super he looks excited. Like her, he looks yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny. I just love how like happy they all are. Okay. So <laughs> we had, we read some books this week. Yeah. Okay. Who wants uh, to start? Leah, what did, Mel, did you read anything good? I actually went back and read Rochelle Page's uh, new adult series because I'd never read it. There was a few years where I wouldn't read any new adult because I felt like I'd just gotten out of that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back there. And I've actually really enjoyed, I've read, I got the bundle and I'm reading it all the way through. There's like three couples and then, well, there's a half couple, but it's just really light and easy. It's sweet. The boy, the men are obsessed and they're in college and it's just been nice that it's easy. Yeah, I like that. What was the name of the bundle? It feels safe. Um, the first book is Push the Envelope. I like that. So you can search that. And then you'll see the bundle. I believe it might be in KU. I can't remember. Sorry. 
Well, I read, um, Mel told me that uh, I needed to listen to um, The Right Wrong Man, Aurora Rose Reynolds' book. It hit audio. And she's like, you'll love this. The hero's crazy. And so I finished that last night. And I did. I really enjoyed it. The audio is only about six hours, so it's not super long. But he's, you know, really obsessed with her. Like, it's kind of crazy. And I love a crazy hero. Like, one that's ridiculous (laughs) and over the top. And does, like, things that are so... Just that could never happen in real life. That's the kind of hero I'm after. <laughs> so completely unrealistic expectations is what I'm saying. But What's um, it about? So this girl, um, she is set up on a blind date. And this happens right in the beginning. Um, she's set up on a blind date by her friend. And this guy's name um, is Adam. And so she's running late. Like something happens with the taxi. There's traffic. She gets out and she's running to the restaurant. And she bumps into him. And he catches her and all the stuff. And it's like, it's this really sweet meet cute. And so they go out to dinner and they end up like having the best night ever. And like they have drinks and they talk about everything and all these, you know, they just have fun together. And she's like, I just never thought this would happen. And then they end up sleeping together and it's super hot. And then the next morning she finds out that's not the guy like that she was set up with. And she's so pissed. And she's pissed that he didn't tell her. And he knew that he this he wasn't Adam, but he just played along because he's like, oh, no, I want this chick. She's hot. Like, let's let's do this. And she's like, he's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's me. That's me. You want to go get some dinner? And he, like, gets her out of there really <laughs> fast. And so it's awesome. And um, it, it's, it's, it's really cute and sweet. And, you know, she ends up going to work. And he's turns out he's, like, her boss. And he of owns course. the building. I know. <laughs> he owns the building she lives in. And it's like. Like, it's all these different things that keep happening. And she's so pissed off the whole time because she's like, this, I just don't want this guy. And he just keeps showing up and giving me orgasms. And of course, I, this is unnecessary. <laughs> so I just enjoyed it because I felt like a part of it at the beginning, she was like how somebody would actually yeah, act. Yeah. She was like, she's like, she nuts. Like, you're nuts. Get, get the fuck out of my apartment. You, I don't even know who you are. You totally swindled me. Like, it's, it was really fun. It was it was super light and just easy. I put it on in the background and just really enjoyed it. It was a great recommendation, Melissa. Good job. Wait, tell us the name again. Uh, the right and it's crossed out wrong man by Aurora Rose Reynolds. So you can't awesome. go wrong with Aurora. She's she'll always do you right. So <laughs> she's friend of the podcast. Friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. All right, Tessa, so tell us uh, what train wreck you got on this week. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? I said, tell us what train you got. you got some depressing yeah, book. Yeah, tell us all about your depressing, life-changing book that sounds horrible. Go. It's not <laughs> this week. Uh, this week was great. I read a book called, okay, so I was in Barnes & Noble and I was just browsing the romance section. And As you do. There was, as you do, and there was a, a book that was turned out and I was like, that means it's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, if it's forward-facing. <laughs> I think forward it's a mental thing. Yeah, yeah, if it's forward-facing. Yeah, forward like, I always, by the way, I always forward face our books when I go into Barnes and Noble. I'll Same. rearrange them and forward face them. You do it with yours Same. too? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I, I picked up this book. It was called The Widow of Rose House. And I know that sounds depressing. Already, it does. But it's not. It's not. Okay. So I read the blurb and it sounded so intriguing. And it's like, it's this woman who is like, she's a, it takes place in the 1800s in New York City. And it's this woman, she's like a scandal. She's a society scandal. She's known as like this widow who had like, um, possibly maybe killed her husband, like is known for um, all, like promiscuous behavior. 
uh, and all this stuff. So she's like this scandalized woman. But she, this man, um, so she buys this house that is apparently haunted, but she makes this deal with a publisher. Like she's going to make it over. She's going to make it beautiful. And, and um, she's going to write a book about it, about the process. So she manages to use her notoriety to get this publishing deal. But this man, this hero, I've never, I've never read a hero like this ever. He, he like just is interested in her house in, in like studying the house. So he approaches her in the restaurant and she thinks he's going to proposition her because all these men proposition her. Um, cause she's beautiful, but also because she has this reputation and, um, uh, which may or may not be true. So he, um, He's like this befuddled, like charming inventor who like literally will stop mid-sentence and just start writing down ideas for an invention. <laughs> and he's like, but he's so charming and he just grins at her when she insults him. He just laugh, he like grins at her. He thinks it's the greatest thing. And he's so charming. And like he just, his parents are happily married and he's got this great big family of happy, like you know, like they love each other. And so he, he's very much like, Oh, everything's going to work out. I love you and you love me. And then that's just, we're going to be happy together forever. <laughs> and she's like, no, I just can't be a thing. This, this sounds is just like, like my sex. husband. <laughs> like, you feel like you're <laughs> describing my husband where he's just like super brilliant and just doesn't have time for her shit. <laughs> you know, like, that sounds about right. <laughs> So obviously she has like serious trust, trust issues and she's being blackmailed and all these things. And, um, he like, it's great. It's just, it's just a really good, um, opposites attract, but also, um, it's got like ghosts in it and, oh my God, it was like everything I wanted. It had murder. Yes. <laughs> so that's great. Good. The Widow of Rose House. Um, Who's it yeah. It, shit. I'm sorry. I have to ask no, that question. I should, I should have. Looked it up. Um, I would have I, never picked up that book, and but you know it sounds really good though. Like what you're saying, that sounds good. Well, I put it up on Instagram, and then so it's Diana Biller, B I L L E R, and I put it up on Instagram, and like everybody chimed in saying, "Oh, is that one of their favorite books from last year?" So wow. I was like, "Well, apparently I missed the train. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I'd never seen it or heard of it." Yeah. Uh, it's it was really really good and um. A kind of a cool read and yeah. he like the he like invents like you know that emf detector that they bring into haunted houses to try and yeah. get like yeah uh-huh he yeah. like invents that in the book oh it's wow that's so cool, cool. Yeah. yeah i wonder like i hate how often i miss great books like that because there's just so many and it gets lost in the shuffle and it's like you know i remember when um you read Amber Barden's book, Mel, and you were like, why or is everyone not screaming about this book? You were yeah. like, this was my favorite book this year. And like, you're like, how is this not everywhere? You know, like, I remember you saying that. I was like, I never saw it. And, and then that more people read it when we were talking about it. And then they came back and they were like, yes, this book was so good. So it's just, it's. I hate when that happens. Though. I have two reasons for this, I think. Because <laughs> remember, like, eight years ago, like, when we met on Twitter? Yeah. And back then, you know, like, only five or six books got released every week. And now there's yeah. 400 books released every week. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's so there's that. So books get lost in the shuffle. But then there's also the fact that, you know, like, people may or may not um, – a book might get a ton of uh, a ton of attention and a ton of publicity because they paid for that. Yeah. Whereas, like books that 
are coming from like debut authors or like lesser known authors who aren't yeah. able to pay for all yeah. that promo. They don't, they, you just don't see them. This was a, this was like one of her first books, I think, or, or she had released maybe a couple, but this was from a publisher and it was like, they were in the middle of promoting like all these other books and stuff. And we're like, I remember even Mel and I having that conversation. We're like, no, 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 you guys need to go back and hit this chick up. Like Amber's book is amazing. Like you guys it's need really to be good. pushing this. Like people will love it. The widow. It's got like it, I can't even remember the title. I'd have to yeah. go look. Go look. Okay. But you know, well, the widow of Rose House is from a publisher. It's St. Martin's Press. But um, and like if you you're looking it up now and you're all, you're already saying I'm not going to buy it because it's not a sexy cover. But yeah. I'm just saying, trust me, like there is good sex in it. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, because. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, is that her first book? The, yes, that one? Oh, it's a debut. Shit. Okay. It's called King's Captain. And let me just, it's been so long since I read it, but you enter the book where she is on an island and she's been kidnapped. Or she thinks she's been kidnapped. She has amnesia. And the hero is really nice to her, but he won't let her go. He's like, you're here. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, and also, it also, she does have one memory, the memory of the hero Walking into the house when she's having a uh, dinner with her family and shooting her father and taking him. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, in front that's of her. how it kicks off. Yeah, I remember you saying that, and I was like, "What?" And you're like, "Yeah." He so walks good. and shoots her dad, and he's like, "We're leaving." Oh my god, that's intense. And then you're like, "What is this?" Uh-huh. It was so good. Yeah, <laughs> that's really intense. Okay, I ha- wait. Okay, do you want to talk about Midnight Sun, Leah? I mean, if if you want to, if we have time, if not, we can dedicate an entire YouTube video to it. If you just want to put it on YouTube where we discuss it, because I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know how far we want to go into this, but I mean, it's up to you. I can get. Yeah, you got to talk about it. You got to talk about it. I finished it. It was better than Twilight. I said what I said. <laughs> oh wow! I said what I said. <laughs> it was better than Twilight. Okay. Yep. That's. I feel like that's probably. That's enough like, for now. The most important thing you need to say. I'm not going to read actually, it. I think I'm going to read I think I'm going to read it. <laughs> so Eagle's reading it and she said, she was like, I just don't, she said, it's really slow to start. And I was like, mm, fair enough. Like, you know, I'm obviously. So Twilight though, to be fair. Yeah. I said, I think strange. it takes you a couple of chapters to get the tone. And I did see, you know, there were one or two people that commented on the thread in headquarters that they were like. You know, I just couldn't get into the rhythm. I, I didn't really like his perspective as much. And, and you know, not everybody is going to like every book, you know. I mean, you're never going to get 100% on any book you write. But I will say, by and large, every person I've talked to that's read this is like, yep, I agree. I want every that, book from his perspective. That's what makes me so happy. Um, even though I'm not going to read it, because I, <laughs> I, I just... I just, I don't know. I can't do it. I can't go back to that place even for a minute. But I... Um, I was surprised that I didn't have the book hangover. I was I was expecting. As soon as I finished it, I felt like I could cry. Because it, it was all those emotions hit me all at one time. And then about, you know, about an hour or so later, I was like, no, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm okay. It was fine after that. I was saying to Leah in a text, I said, I remember very distinctly after finishing... The, the final after finishing Breaking Dawn being like I wish I'd never heard of these books I wish I'd never <laughs> read them I wish I'd never seen them because I I couldn't break out of this like swamp feeling yeah and um so I'm not gonna read it I'm not gonna read Midnight Sun but I'm happy 
I'm so happy that after waiting all this time that it seemed to meet people's expectations. Yeah. yeah and that I think so. everybody's it, enjoying it so much. It blew my really expectations happy. out of the water. Cause I thought I'm going to read it and I'm going to like it. And I'm, and I was really happy to read it. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to love it. And then I'm probably going to read new moon. And right. And as I read it, I got to maybe like chapter five or six and I was like, I'm back. I'm back in this and it's better. It's so, the writing's better. Edward's better. The story's better. Like, I was like, it's all better. Like, this is the book. And I told Tessa, this is what I texted her. I said, if we would have been given Midnight Sun 10 years ago, we wouldn't have survived it. Like, <laughs> you because it's so good. Here's a question for you guys. How do you feel about the word slut used in romance? Uh, like, as a dirty talk thing. Oh, I like it as dirty talk. Do you? Yeah, but I could, you know, there's, but there's a reason we don't write the word moist. I love the word moist. I think it's a great, (laughs) I think it's a great way to describe something that's not gross to me, but it will take a reader out of the sentence. And I think that's the same thing with slut. I think slut is really hot and nasty and fun, but it will take a reader so far out of it that they cringe when they, that's their knee jerk reaction when they hear it. So we just don't use it, you know, like fat pussy. I think that's amazing, but Mel takes it out. (laughs) (laughs) So you've never used the word slut in an Alexa Riley book? I'm sure maybe in Dirty Dirty One. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, we have. I think it's some yeah, of the first. Yeah, Force Submission. I was just thinking that too. I was like, oh, maybe that first book when the cop has her on the ground. <laughs> but it's his wife, to be fair. <laughs> he can say that. Yeah, he yeah. can. But, he married um, her. But you know, I don't know. Like... I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Have you used it in a book before? In a Tessa Bailey book? No, no, I never yeah. have. I wouldn't think No, so. but I was curious about it. Um, because just coming across it in like um, dirty reads and, yeah. and lo- loving it, you know, like I like it. Um, I feel like it's the word cunt. It pushes the envelope a little bit. Like I think when a hero refers to a cunt in a sexy way, like, oh, God, I can't wait to eat your cunt. You know, like that kind of thing. Like when he's just being nasty, I think it's hot. I think there is a way you could do it in dirty talk. Like, oh, my God, you're such a cum slut. Like, you know, like that sort of like that sort of vernacular, I think, would be totally acceptable. We just haven't. Like I said, it's such a it's the word that just makes you stop, you know, when you in a moment when you would want them to just flow. I think, yeah, if you if I knew I was going into a scene wanting to use the word slut. You could probably do it. Yeah. But you'd have to kind of write around it. He's got to say something that goes yeah, with it. Yeah, like soften the blow a little bit. Like, I'm I'm going to turn you into my slut yeah, or something. Yeah, or you're like a slut for my cock. Stuff like that. That's hot to me. But again, I think if you're just like in the moment and reading it, I think it would just be like, oh, okay. Jarring. Yeah, a little bit. I don't know. Are you taking a poll? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just curious about it. I, yeah. I just said come across it and I was curious. Yeah. Um, so Mel, have you watched anything good this week on reality TV? Oh yeah, we need Mel's reality corner. How is Love After Lockup, the new season? Um, It's really good so far. These people, are, they got a lot of couples. Really? A like lot. They, they were couples yeah. before they went into jail? No, I just meant like a lot of people. Like usually like a couple seasons ago, there'd be like four or five couples. Yeah. This one, I can't even, I don't know. I'd have to like sit down and count. How oh, many. shit. Yeah, there's a ton of them, but. Is so anybody passing so bags good. of Nothing calm? like. <laughs> Nobody's passing bag of calm. I forgot about that. Yeah, there's not hasn't been anything that's been like 
the only thing that gets me is they're like, these people, they just got out of jail and they'll be like, oh, let's go do this and this, but they got to report for parole and they end up late. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> this is probably why you're in jail to be with. Because <laughs> they don't give a fuck. <laughs> but nothing crazy has actually happened. I think I told you guys last one when they got married in the back of the truck. Yes. What happened? They <laughs> yeah. Didn't show. It. She was late. Yeah. She said she yes. Said yes. And then ended up being Did late. they fuck in the- I, I don't know what's going to happen. She's thing? an hour late. No, they no. didn't fuck in the homemade thing he made in the back of his truck for them to fuck in. Oh, that's too bad. Wasted opportunity. They didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it was, I don't think it was a real, okay, I don't want to say it wasn't a real wedding. It wasn't a state recognized oh, wedding. Oh, okay. So it was just like a, like a ceremony. Well, I guess he's Native American, so they did some Native American thing. A ceremony. Oh, God. This is all too much. How is this real? But he's been married like seven times. This is like an Alexa Rally book. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. The, oh my God, listen. Okay, so I gave Mel the best book idea yesterday. <laughs> oh my God. I sent it to her. I sent her voice text. I was like, listen, hear me out. Office romance, but he's a bear shifter. <laughs> and I was like, we call it boardroom bear. <laughs> And the cover is a man in a suit with a bear head. <laughs> I, what? I didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> Like a lumberjack, like a plaid. No. <laughs> it's got honey pots in it. <laughs> no, the so font would be dripping like honey. Yes. On the it. font, it just says boardroom and pretty cursive, and then bear and like honeycomb, dripping honey. <laughs> <laughs> but what oh I, so I want to do is I don't want to delve into because we've written, you know, um, shifters before, and it's hard because you have rules and stuff like that, like. And I said, I don't want to do any of that. I said, I just want the bear part to be like an aside. <laughs> like, it's not a big deal. He hires the secretary and like they fall in love. And he's, oh yeah, I'm just a bear on the weekends. No big deal. Wait a minute. Yeah. This brings me to my next question, which is, is there a Goldilocks and the Three Bears yeah. shifter book? We wrote Yes, that. there is. There has to well, be. Well, we wrote, um... We wrote one that was. The oh three, yeah, we well, have we one. Have, well, ours is the like the three bad wolves or whatever it was. Like we wrote that, but we did a fairy tale one, and but there is a Goldilocks one. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is because oh there's a girl God. her name's like Goldie or something. The hero. If is. there's someone out there who is an art artist or anybody who wants to take a stab mm -hmm. at it, yeah. drawing a picture of a bear in a suit and submitting it. Yeah. Just in headquarters for the messenger. cover. For an Alexa Rally cover. We're Just gonna for write my it's enjoyment. Gonna be, listen, it's gonna be a five thousand word book. It's gonna be super short, <laughs> like three chapters. And we're gonna give it to you. We're we're gonna Does he turn into a bear and wait a minute, now now I'm wondering, is there a bull shifter book? <laughs> 
Oh my god. Something out of the bull and the bear, you know? Like well, and you I could said, do a whole stock market said, play on it. Well, true. Bull and bear market. Bull Grand and bear idea. market. Well, I said could... what we should do is that there's two bears in there. There's I said and we could call it like the bear duet. And it's like there's there each bear is on the cover. Like, you know, it's a different one. Maybe one's like a polar bear. And they're just like they're standing there with their hands or their hooves on the, the boardroom table. Just I actually pictured them standing up, like 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 straightening with a briefcase. their like straightening their tie, you know, like like he's straightening his tie a little bit. Oh, and he's just like trying to hide the honey that's dripping And there's off like his hands. there's like a fluff of hair around his collar because he's trying <laughs> to contain it. Did you guys see that video of the women in like uh, one of those Yosemite or something that? Oh, this actually yes. ended sadly. What? But there was yeah, there was a video of um these women and like a bear like came up and like sniffed her and he was like standing on his hind legs and he like hugged her a little bit and like got right up against her. Uh, a black bear and they were just standing there like completely still. And this bear was like really interested in one of the girls <laughs> and somebody was filming the whole thing. It turned out, but you know they they ended up like um. I guess finding out these people had, I guess, coaxed the bear out into the open, and the bear ended up getting castrated. Not a good story, but wow. um, But the video initially was really interesting to watch. Yeah, that's stupid. (laughs) Stupid thing to do. Don't do that. Don't coax bears into the open. So boardroom bear. I know. I see that everywhere now. People have seen all this. There were a warning went out about bears the other day. They're like, leave the bears alone. I'm like, what the hell is everybody doing? Coaxing a bear well, out. Next thing you know, they're going to be in a boardroom trying to run a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the perfect note to end on. Um, we're going to go and uh, <laughs> send you into the second half of Mink's book. All right. <laughs> and we'll tell you guys on the way on, on the other side what we, what she's got going on. So enjoy. Bye. Bye. Chapter 10 Nick I've never considered myself a lucky man, not with a past like mine. Bodies lined my way to the top and I'll drop as many men as necessary to stay here. But when I see my bride-to-be in her gown, her eyes shining, her dark hair draped down her shoulders and her body making her white dress sing. My mouth goes dry. Do I care that she interrupted a meeting? Fuck no. Do I want her on her back with my face between her legs? Definitely. But I must be patient. So I have her come sit on my lap. Continue. I lean back so she can settle on my legs. She perches like a bird at first, but then I pull her closer. Once I've wrapped my arms around her, she settles back against me. Geo clears his throat and looks everywhere but at my bride. Good. We found the missing shipment at the Tuscany warehouse over on Water Street. All of it? I ask. Everything except whatever Antonio snorted before his wedding, Dante smirks. She stiffens at the mention of his name. I run my hand down her arm and take her hand. But I feel something hard, something that doesn't belong there. Pulling her small fingers to my face, 
I see a band of gold on her ring finger. Something inside me snarls, and I grit my teeth. Despite my burst of rage, I gently pull the ring from her finger, then hold it up to the light. Did you like this ring, Karamia? I look into her caramel brown eyes. No. She drops her gaze, her hair shifting. I notice a scar on her forehead. It's small, white, and right at the hairline. What happened here? She drops her chin even farther. That was a while ago. My father, um, Lorenzo, didn't like it when I asked about my mother, so he... She trails off, but she doesn't have to say more. I know what that bastard did, and he'll pay for it dearly. Don't hide from me. I gently tip her chin back up. You are a queen. Never forget that. Okay. She presses her lips together, then takes a deep breath. I should have taken this ring off, I'm sorry. There's nothing to be sorry about. Is she afraid of me? It's funny, I want everyone to fear me. I didn't have to read The Prince, though I did, to know it's far better to be feared than loved. But that desire changed the moment I saw her sitting at that cold Tuscany table, ready for her fate but not expecting it to appear in my form. You never need fear me, do you understand? I... Her brows draw together. I swear, here before all my men, that I will never raise my hand to you. You don't need to be afraid of me, cara mia. I would sooner cut my heart out than do one drop of damage to yours. Her mouth opens in a surprised, oh, which gives me plenty of filthy ideas. Soon, cara mia. I spread my hand across her back, loving every inch of her warm skin. You were sold by your father. This ring was a band meant to cage you, to keep you in line, to show ownership. Would you agree? Yes, she answers quickly. As such, we must destroy it. Yes, she says with more force. Please. It is done. I toss the ring to Tony. Take this directly to Caravaggio's metal shop. Have him melt it down, then take it and throw it into the river where it will stay forever, covered in muck and forgotten, just like the unworthy man who thought he could use it to imprison my queen. Yes, boss. He hurries out. I settle back and continue running my fingers along her warm skin. Now... What other news? Gio pulls his phone out and grins. 
guess who just showed up at the front gate? I lean over and press my lips to Sophia's ear. It's your father. Running my hand up to the back of her neck, I collar her there, possessing her, but not stifling her. He thinks he can take you from me. Can he, Caramia? No. Her breathy voice shoots a jolt of heat to my cock, and I shift my hips so she can feel what she does to me. Do you want to go back to him? I slide my hand down her smooth skirt until I reach the hem, then ease my fingers up her calf to her thigh. No. She makes a sweet little sound in her throat. I move my fingers higher, teasing the edge of her lace garter, the one I'll have in my teeth later this evening. Do you want to stay with me? Her eyes widen, and I lick the shell of her ear. When my fingers move higher and graze her panties, she clutches my arm. Yes. Wet for me, Caramia? I whisper in her ear, then stroke along the lace until I reach the sweet spot between her thighs that's made for pleasure. Her body tightens as I press the tip of my finger against it, then drag it slowly back and forth. She closes her eyes, her head lolling back as I kiss her throat, my fingers working against her soaked panties as my cock demands to be freed, only to plunge into the tight virgin on my lap. I need to stop to end this torture, but I don't. I continue rubbing her sweet spot until she squirms on my lap, her hips moving in tiny bursts as I tease her and her taut ass teases my hard cock. I run my teeth up her graceful neck, then bite beneath her ear. She gasps, her body teetering on the edge, then I pull back. It isn't an easy feat, but I stop and draw my fingers away, then smooth her skirt down. Licking her off my fingers, I return my attention to my men. They seem to be very interested in the coffered ceiling above us, though Dante's smirk is a nice bit of honesty. When Sophia opens her eyes, her cheeks go up in a flash of crimson. Did I almost get her off in front of my men? Yes. Do I give a shit? No. They need to know she's mine, and that touching her isn't simply off-limits. It's deadly. But I trust these men. They are loyal and smart. The same can't be said for the wedding guests who are beginning to arrive. These men... We'll die for you, Sophia. You never need fear them. They will keep our secrets. I press my forehead to hers. 
Don't be shy. Not with me. All right. She nods, though her voice is still shaky. Perhaps from nerves, perhaps desire. Given the delicious state of her panties, I'd say the latter. Now, I need to have a brief word with your father before the ceremony. I set Sophia on her feet and rise, then grab my tux jacket and slide it on. Dante, bring Carlotta. Sophia smiles up at me, one hand going to my chest. You look amazing. Don't stroke his ego too much. Dante opens the hall door and motions Carlotta inside. There's no point smacking him in his smart mouth. He's never learned and never will. And he'd probably love getting the attention. Carlotta, take care of my bride. Please escort her to the back parlor to prepare along with her brother. Yes, sir. Caramilla. Sophia turns, her lips parted. Yes. The next time I see you, we will be swearing before God and everyone else here that we belong to each other. Are you ready? She doesn't drop her gaze, keeping her eyes steadily on mine. Ready. That's my queen. I kiss her hand, then shoo her out with Carlotta. Sophia's exposed back demands that I tongue every inch of it, and I will. But first, business, later, pleasure. And so much of it that my sweet little virgin may beg me to stop. But I won't. Not until I've tasted her everywhere and filled her with my seed. She will be mine, body and soul, and our family will rule this city. Chapter 11 Sophia I've gotten you a veil. Carlotta hands it to me. It's a pretty lace one with a clip covered in diamonds that pairs perfectly with my shoes. I know the diamonds are real without having to ask, but I don't want to cover my face this time. I'm going to walk down the aisle with my head held high and my brother at my side. I want to see the look on my father's face as I do it. Before I can put voice to those words, Carlotta stifles that thought. He's having an issue with the back of the dress. This might cover it some. She reaches up, clipping the veil into my hair. She doesn't push it forward to cover my face, but has it lie behind to cover some of my back. I admit I was a tad uncomfortable with how much skin I've been showing. It isn't something I'm used to, but feeling Nick's hands run up and down my spine made me forget about everything else. Well, mostly everything else besides the fact that my father had shown up. A shiver runs through me, even though I know Nick would never let Lorenzo do anything to me. It's not that I'm scared for me, not really. It's more of a worry about what will happen to Nick. Will my father try to kill him? That thought sits heavily in my chest. Now, I not only have to worry about Marco, but Nick as well. I resist the urge to rub my eyes, 
I'm still surprised about how Nick talked about his business in front of me. I know better than to speak of the things I've heard, but my father and grandfather never went around openly talking about business. Not like Nick. It's as if he wants me to know what's going on. Or maybe it isn't so much that he wants me to know, but more that he would share it with me if I showed an interest. It's eye-opening and oddly refreshing to be included, but I have a feeling there will be many things I'd rather be kept in the dark about. Call me foolish, but this is the life I've been dealt. It doesn't mean that I have to let all the ugliness that comes along with it coat me. When I hear yelling coming from down the hall, I turn toward the doorway. I know the voice. A chill settles deep in my bones. The warmth that Nick had put there fades away. My father is really here. How easily he controls my mood strikes fear inside of me. It's a power I think he will always have over me, no matter how hard I try and fight it. Where's my brother? I asked Carlotta. He hadn't stepped into the office with me, and when I'd exited, I hadn't seen him. He's here, waiting to walk you down the aisle. That's what you want, no? Yes. I'd forgotten to ask Nick about that. We can do that? Of course, she gives me one of those big smiles. You're still not getting it. She squeezes my arm. You will. She's my main resource when it comes to Nick. I'm just not sure she'll answer all my questions. Loyalty runs deep, and I'm practically a stranger to them, despite being moments away from joining their family. From the way Nick is acting, I am a part of it in his eyes. The thought sends another one of those warm tingles through my body. My mind goes back to how he touched me in front of his men. He hadn't put me on full display, but he did show that I was his. And if he wanted to give me pleasure, he would. He didn't care who was around. It's so different than what I'm used to. He even shows affection to his men in a way, letting them speak to him with a familiarity that my father would hate. In the Scalini family, Women are used for sex, nothing more. But Nick's eyes light up with heat whenever he sees the desire he can pull from me. He enjoys getting me worked up, continuously taking me to the edge, only to leave me with a promise of his pleasure. He's trying to win me over. It might be another one of my silly, naive thoughts, but it's starting to feel truly that he wants to win me, not just take me for granted. He's made it clear that I'm going to be his but he's still easing me into it. He wants me to give myself over to him, and I'm finding it shockingly easy to do. Has Nick been married before? The question just pops out. I mean, Nick is older than me. He's probably in his early 30s. That's a lot of time spent in this world without me. Ugh, this jealous crap is eating at me. It should be the furthest thing from my mind, but here I am poking at it once again. Carlotta raises one eyebrow. No, to a da Vinci, marriage is for life. There will be no divorce. I don't think that word is in their vocabulary. Hmm, no wonder he shot my ex, making me a widow. The way he killed Antonio and just stood there staring at me with dark, hungry eyes. It was as if I was as much of a surprise to him as he was to me. He didn't plan to bring a bride home today, did he? 
This only makes Carlotta smile bigger. No, I was shocked to see you here. Nick has always been discreet. I've never seen any woman he might have had in his past, and I would know, but here you are. I almost fell over in shock, to be honest. Him declaring that he was going to marry you, and telling me to take you to his room almost did me in. She laughs and shakes her head, her salt and pepper hair tied up in a neat bun. The da Vinci men go for what they want. It's why he's come so far, further than his own father. He knows within seconds what the right decision should be. I'm guessing he took one look at you and your fate was sealed. My fate was sealed long ago. I sigh and turn to take one last look in the mirror with the veil now in place. Somehow, Nick has managed to pull off my dream dress. The man really is good at reading people. Another bellow echoes down the hall. My father is beyond worked up. I'm suddenly hit with the fear of this wedding not happening. Sure, my fate was always set, but could my father stop this? He could try and make Nick a better deal. At the end of the day, power is always what these men want most of all. I'm a little shocked that I don't even fear for my father's life. I'm so hardened by that man that I don't care what happens to him, as long as Marco is safe. From the loud thud I hear and the crash that follows, I know someone was hit, and without a doubt they hit the floor. The commotion grows, and I can't mistake the sounds of guns being pulled and cocked. I rush to the door and swing it open. Marco stands there blocking my path. What is going on? I try to peek around his large frame, but he steps more into the room, blocking my line of sight. Your soon-to-be husband is putting our father in his place. Marco has the biggest grin on his face that I've ever seen. His smugness puts me at ease for once. You're enjoying this a little too much. I reach up, fixing his tux. Nick backhanded him. I gasp a little, sorry that I had missed it. I would love to see my father smacked around a little. Okay, a lot. Marco reaches up, moving my hair to show the small mark my father left so long ago. Now he'll wear his own mark. Nick might not have said why he hit him there, but I know why. I stand there in shock for a moment. Violence like this shouldn't turn me on, but it does. At each turn, Nick is proving his devotion to me. He did it for me. I touch the scar, for this. Things are different here. Nick isn't like Lorenzo or Antonio, my brother admits. He glances around, and I see a few guards watching us. I wonder if they fear I'll make a run for it, or if they're stationed here for my safety. They are, I agree. Nick might have killed my husband this morning, but I think he saved our lives. My brother nods as he offers me his arm. Think our father will sit through the ceremony? I don't think he really has a choice. This time, it's me that smirks. It wouldn't bother me if my father wasn't at my wedding, but the thought of him being forced to do something he doesn't want to gives me great pleasure. I smile at the realization that he'll finally know what it feels like to be under someone else's thumb. I love that it's Nick who's putting him there. I, too, I'm looking forward to being under my husband's thumb tonight. My father might hate it, 
but I have a feeling I'm going to love every second of it. Chapter 12 Nick The guests are here. All the families are represented, even the Scalingis. Lorenzo sits in the front row, his mistress at his side. She seems to have realized the danger. Perhaps it's the blood running from the gash on Lorenzo's forehead that gave it away. And Hugh's close to him, her eyes wide. She won't be harmed, but it doesn't bother me that she fears for her life. Fucking Lorenzo was a bad life choice. Now it's time to pay. The other bosses sit with their wives, their faces mostly stoic. I'm certain they were more than a little surprised to be attending a second wedding today, especially one with the same bride, but they're hiding it, waiting to see how this situation plays out. They don't need to wonder. By the end of the ceremony, I'll control the Da Vinci's, the Toscani's, and have a powerful foothold with the Scalingis. If anything, they should worry. Because if they cross me, it won't be long before I come for their piece of the pie. Nick. Father Rantini takes his place at the front of the room, his formal robes setting the right tone. This isn't a sham wedding or a payment from one family to another in the form of an unwilling bride. This is a marriage, a bonding of souls, a meeting of minds, and it is the first true step toward my dynasty. With Sophia at my side, this city will be ours. That it angers Lorenzo is a bonus. The string quartet begins to play some song I've heard at weddings all my life, and the guests seem to relax a little. Music soothes the wild beasts, apparently. I adjust my tie as Gio steps up beside me, his tux almost as fine as mine. You ready? He pats his pocket. All set on my end. The jeweler followed my instructions. To the T. He nods and peers out at the small assembly. They had a wedding or a funeral, he whispers. If anyone steps out of line, it may be both. Nick, if you're ready, we can proceed. Father Rantini smiles, his old watery eyes missing no detail. It's a mob wedding, but he's done plenty of these over the years. Carlotta hovers at the entrance to the West Hall. I jerk my chin at her, and she smiles and hurries away to retrieve my bride. This is it. Off the market. Gio gives me a sidelong glance. Unless you intend to be nailing chicks on the side. Not happening. Sophia is my only one. The thought of another verges on disgusting. I was just busting your balls. You think I don't know how you are when you set your mind on something? I've seen how you look at her. She's the one. I never thought it would happen. 
I can't believe I found her. All this time, other families tried to sell me their daughters, innocent little creatures with wide eyes and empty heads. But Sophia is different. There's fire in her, and over time, it can burn hot enough to forge our family. But a king knows a queen when he sees her. Right on. He rolls his shoulders. I think she's almost here. Hey, do you think Lorenzo's going to explode or what? I glance at him. His face is red, and he clutches his poor mistress's hand in his grip like it's a stress ball. If he does, I'll handle it. Dante stands at the entry door, his head on a swivel as he eyes the guests. We're all armed to the teeth despite our tuxes. My tailor knows what sort of man he works for and always leaves just enough room for a gun and some knives. The music changes to the wedding march, and I hold my breath as Dante opens the doors. My mind stops, my heart stumbles, and I go completely still as she appears. A vision in understated elegance, she locks eyes with me as Marco escorts her down the aisle. The guests stand, all except Lorenzo, as she walks among them like a goddess through a throng of peasants. My love, my heart, the half of my soul that had been missing until I walked into the Tuscany home, killed her husband, and took her for myself. But that's the way it was meant to be. I will kill as many as necessary to claim her, because we are one. She keeps her eyes on me, each step bringing her closer. When Marco passes her to me, I can't seem to stop smiling. She glances down, demure for a moment, then looks up into my eyes. The joy in hers matches mine as we turn to Father Rattini. He begins his introduction, a clipped version of the same service he performed this morning. I keep looking at her, the beauty by my side. Her veil floats down her back, and I'm pleased that she has chosen not to cover her face. She should never hide, not from me, not from anyone. A queen should be seen, desired, coveted, but only ever truly mastered by her king. And oh, how I intend to master her once this ceremony is completed. Sophia. Father Rattini smiles at her. Do you take this man to be your wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do you part? She bites her lip for a second, and my whole world balances on the next words from her sweet mouth. With a deep breath, she says, I do. The smile that follows is one I will never forget. Father Rattini repeats the same question for me, and I don't hesitate. 
Not when my Sophia is on the line. I do. I squeeze her warm hands in mine. The ring? Father Rattini glances at Gio. Oh, he reaches into his pocket. Got him. He hands me both rings. One is a plain platinum band, though I've had Sophia's name engraved on the inside, so she's always on my mind whenever I look at it. Hers is just what I demanded from my jeweler, a diamond-filled band with a platinum base. It gives off sparkling reflections as I hold it up, each emerald-cut stone a perfect match to the one next to it. It's weighty, but so is my commitment to my queen. Sophia's eyes widen, and she holds out a shaking hand. I steady her, just as I always will, and slide the ring on. She takes my ring and does the same. Bound. Not by family expectations, not by any sort of alliance. We're bound by heart and soul. And we will crush any who seek to destroy us. You may. I don't let Father Rattini finish. Instead, I pull her into my arms and claim her with a crushing kiss. Her startled squeal is honey on my tongue, and I bend her back, supporting her completely as I make her mine for all to see. She grips my biceps, her body going languid in my arms as she trusts me to hold her. Our kiss deepens to assuredly inappropriate levels until I pull her back to her feet and tear myself from her. Soon, Caramia, I whisper in her ear, I will taste all of you. She shivers as we turn to face the room. May I present to you, Mr. and Mrs. You whore! Lorenzo stands and points at my bride. You marry Antonio, and his corpse isn't even cold, and now you marry this bastard? All the air leaves the room as Lorenzo starts cursing Sophia in Italian, every vicious word from his lips like a poison that causes her to fold in on herself, her shoulders curling, her head dropping. A puttana, just like your mother. I'm glad I killed her. He steps toward her, his hands out. I strangled her with these hands, as all whores like you deserve. And you're next, you fucking slut of a dot. The gunshot cuts him off, the hole in his forehead oozing blood as he falls backwards onto his mistress. The guests rise, some of them running toward the door, but Dante stands in front of it, gun in hand. No one is leaving, not until they hear me. Sophia da Vinci is mine. I raise my voice and holster my still-smoking pistol. No one will take my wife. No one will insult my wife. I point at Lorenzo's body. This is what will happen to anyone who seeks to hurt me 
my family, or my queen. I take Sophia's trembling hand in mine as Lorenzo's mistress starts to scream, blood streaking her dress. This wedding is adjourned. I motion for Dante to open the door so the guests can leave. Most of them hurry out, though a couple of the other family heads don't rush. They've seen this sort of violence and know that Lorenzo was out of line. Even so, they cast me sidelong glances. I grin back at them. Marco stays, his eyes on Lorenzo. The kid might be trouble. Only time will tell, but he has my protection, and I won't break my word to Sophia. Once the room is clear, I scoop my bride into my arms and carry her up the stairs. If she wants to mourn her mother, we will. If she wants to talk about our future and what Lorenzo's death will mean, we will. But only after I've claimed her in every way that matters. Chapter 13 Sophia My heart pounds as Nick takes the stairs two at a time back toward our bedroom. No one follows after us. My mind tries to play catch-up with everything that just happened. My father is dead. I think it again, the words so final. My father is dead. He'd admitted to murdering my mother before my husband put a bullet in his skull. I was just as shocked at his outburst about my mother as I was about how fast Nick reacted. As soon as the threats left Lorenzo's mouth, Nick smoothly gunned him down. There was no hesitation in his movements. He's done this before, and now I know he will do anything to protect my honor. My fingers dig into his suit coat as I cling to him, never wanting to let go. How is it that I feel safe with him when I've witnessed him murder two people within 12 hours? I suppose it's the knowledge that they were bad men to begin with that helps me not feel guilty. My father murdered my mother, so I have no sympathy for him. He took her away from me, and now Nick has returned the favor by taking his life. She didn't leave me, not of her own free will. My eyes water at the vindication in that thought. Marco and I weren't abandoned, even though she's gone. Even though it doesn't change anything, that means so much to me. She loved us, and she was stolen from us. Now the thief of her life has paid in blood. Are you scared, Katamia? Nick asks. Yes, I admit. I'm scared of a lot of things right now. One being what will happen next, and what will happen with my brother Marco. Nick promised me his safety, so I have to trust that. Asking him again now would be a sign of disrespect. He's done nothing to make me think he would break his vow to me. There will definitely be fallout from the other families over this, but I know in my heart that Nick will protect Marco from the worst of it. Scared of me? He enters our bedroom and kicks the door closed behind him. I shake my head. Thinking back on it, I don't think I ever was. Not when he shot my husband, and not when he took me for his own. 
All I'd felt then was relief. I still feel it. I'm not scared of you. My brave queen. Not many people would say that to me. He places me on the bed, and I let go so I can look up into his dark eyes. No, I'm not scared of him. I'm scared you're going to get hurt, I admit. That's the truth. I've only known the man for a few hours, and in that short time, I've fallen in love with him. The thought of something bad happening to him makes my soul ache. But there are going to be consequences. He's killed two men. Not just any two casuals on the street, either. Powerful men. Ones that were the heads of their families. Families that will be looking for revenge. When my grandfather Pasquale finds out, I swallow hard. That's what frightens me the most. Are you going to try and leave me? He cocks his head, a small smirk on his lips, and rests his hand at my bust line. What? No, of course not. Good. You not being here with me, that's the only thing that could hurt me. Besides, I wouldn't let you go. I'd follow you wherever you went. He rips my dress right down the center. I gasp at the violence of it, at the heat that pools in my core from his aggression. Nick, I reach up, needing to touch him. How a man can be so deadly yet so sweet, I'll never understand. There will be war. As there should be. He killed your mother. He sounds as mad about that as I am. I close my eyes for a moment, just thinking of her. He shifts his body, leaning down on top of me. His mouth brushes softly against mine. Anyone who harms you will know death. I proved that point today. You will not live in fear. I fear losing you, I breathe against his mouth. Trust me, Karamia. The devil himself couldn't take me from you. His tongue slides across my lips. I part them in invitation. He greedily takes my mouth. There is so much to be said, so much that is happening, but right now all I want is to be connected to him. I slide my hands up his chest and neck, then dig my fingers into his short hair as I wrap my legs around him, pulling him close. He growls into my mouth. Too many clothes. I say, as I try and pull the suit from his body. He pushes back with a grunt and stands at the side of the bed. I lift to my elbows to watch as he strips himself of his clothing, his eyes never leaving my body. My face heats at the thought of my bare chest being on full display to him. All the lace that I'm wearing itches to be torn off by his fingers. I focus on him as each layer of his clothing falls to the floor. He stands in front of me in all of his naked glory. Even without a shred of clothing on, he exudes confidence and power. My nipples harden as my body calls for him to give it pleasure. Moisture pools between my thighs, making the silk stick to me. My eyes roam over his body. Nick, I sit up reaching out to run my finger down one of the many scars that litter his torso. You see why I'm fearful? 
I say before I lean in and kiss one. He pulls the veil free, tossing it away before his fingers dig into my hair. This is the life we lead. I kiss another mark. I'm not young and dumb anymore. I'll be careful and make sure I come home to you. I don't run the streets. Here is where I belong. He kisses me softly once before sliding his tongue in my mouth. His hands explore my body. His fingertips reach up and tease my nipples until I'm panting with need. Before I can lean back, he breaks our kiss and steps away once again. What's wrong? I meet his eyes, wondering if something I did made him pull back from me. God, Amia, nothing could possibly be wrong when it comes to you. You're perfect. My cheeks feel as though they are on fire. He crooks a finger at me. Stand up. I want to see all of you. I scoot off the side of the bed hesitantly, because I've never been naked in front of a man before. Nick makes me feel sexy, though. The need he has for me shows through in his eyes, making me want to present myself to him. Did you wear this to try to kill me, Karamia? He says with a smile on his face. Many men have tried and failed, but with this getup, you've almost succeeded. I shake my head. I'm growing more confident the longer he stares at me. He licks his lips. Do you desire me, Karamia? I want you, Nick. All of you. He growls as he quickly crowds me and takes my mouth once again, this time kissing me breathless. You already have most of me, Karamia. By the end of tonight, every inch of me will be yours. His hand reaches down to rub over my lace panties. I can feel your desire through the silk and lace. I intend to lick all of that sweetness from you as you come on my tongue. But first, I want you to undress for me slowly. He steps back, his eyes never leaving me. It's as if he's acknowledging that many of my choices for the last 24 hours have not been my own, and he wants this to be different. He wants me to choose to give my body to him. I turn, giving him my backside. Then I slip my fingers into the top of my panties as I peer over my shoulder at him, before I bend all the way down to slip them from my legs. I give him a small show while I do it. I want to give my king what he's asking for, to show him I want to be here. I start to turn to toss them aside, but he's on me. My back hits the bed as he comes down over me. He kisses me and then trails his lips down to my breasts. His tongue peeks out to lick my pert nipple before he sucks it into his mouth. I moan out his name and dig my fingers into his hair. I've never experienced a sense of pleasure like the one Nick is giving me now. My body arches toward him. He releases my nipple and continues his journey down my body, sucking and licking as he goes along. My stomach trembles as he draws his tongue down it. His finger lightly brushes over the small patch of hair between my legs. Your pussy is so wet for me, Karamia. Does she know she belongs to me? that I am her king. Before I can answer, he drops to his knees and pulls me to him, 
His mouth lands on me, and I feel the first electric lick of his tongue on my clit. Chapter 14 Nick She is laid out before me like a feast, one I will take my time to enjoy. A slow lick gives me her sweet taste, and I bury my face between her thighs as she grips the sheets. I'm the only one who will ever know this sweetness. I lick with the broad side of my tongue all the way up her tender flesh. She gasps. Nick! No other. I lick again and again. Tell me, Caramia, are you mine? Yours. She arches as I press my tongue inside her virgin pussy. I suck and lick, devouring every bit of her, covering my mouth with her wetness and delving inside her for more. Pressing my palms against the insides of her thighs, I spread her as far as she can go, then focus on her clit. Her legs shake as I suck on that spot and give it love with the tip of my tongue. I run my fingers up her thigh, then ease one inside her. She squeezes around me, her body tensing. Relax, Karamia. I lick her clit faster. You're going to love this, but I need to get you ready for me. My cock twitches in agreement as I stroke her with my tongue, my finger pushing deeper inside her. She tenses again, but I soothe the uncertainty away, licking it out of her as I keep the pressure inside her. Once my finger is coated and her walls accept me, I slide another finger in. She reaches down and clutches my hair, her nails scratching my scalp as I surge in and out, my tongue lashing her clit as she writhes. I'm learning her, recording each little sound she makes, what causes her legs to shake, what makes her move her hips to my rhythm. I will always please her, always give my queen the release she needs. Turning my fingers upward, I curl them, and she jolts. I grin against her wet pussy, then go after her clit in earnest. She throws her head back, her body arching, her perfect tits begging to be sucked, and then her hips seize, her breath stops, and her pussy clamps down on my fingers. With a low moan, she unravels, her body under my control as I wring her first orgasm from her, licking and thrusting as she pulls my hair and jolts in little waves. When she breathes again, I give her one final lick, then crawl up her body. Sharing her taste with her, I kiss her sweet lips, and she reaches up and grips my shoulders. My cock rests against her wet entrance, and it's all I can do not to thrust into that tight little pussy and own it relentlessly.
but this is her first time. I must control myself. She isn't making this easy. Not when she digs her nails into my shoulders and rocks her hips against me. Please. That word on her lips, it would break any man. I may be strong, many would say ruthless, but this woman has a hold on me, and I never want it to stop. Be still for me, Karamiya. I press one hand to her shoulder, pinning her as I ease my cock into her tight opening. She tenses, her eyes closing. Look at me. I keep easing into her, my grip on her shoulder never wavering, even as she squirms. Hold still. Oh, fuck, you're so tight. I bite back a groan as my cock becomes coated in her honey, the pressure of her slick walls like nothing I've ever known. She opens her eyes wide. It pinches. I'm going to fix it. I kiss her as I slide as far inside as I can go, my muscles shaking from the control I'm exercising. I've never felt such perfection, her body taking all of me so snugly that my balls demand release, but I won't grant it. Not until she's coming so hard I have scratches down my back. Her mouth opens, and I tongue her as she slowly relaxes. With a swift movement, I pull out, then embed myself deep inside. Her pussy spasms, and I swallow her cry of pain. I'm coated in her slick wetness, and I slide in and out in slow movements. The euphoria of being inside her hazes my mind, and I want her to feel just as good as I do. She relaxes even more, and I release my hold on her shoulder. Supporting myself on my elbows, I kiss away her pain. It's going to feel good, Karamiya. You're going to come again. This time I'll feel it, every bit of your bliss. She nods as I bend to her neck and suck the spot below her ear. She shivers and spreads her legs a little wider. I don't need any more of an invitation. Starting a slow, smooth rhythm, I fuck my new bride like a gentleman. At first, I ease her into it, worshipping her with my cock and my mouth as I make her mine. Once she's loose, her body pliant, her breathing hard, I speed up. She arches, her tits pressing against my chest. I can't resist. So I lean down and suck one into my mouth. Her moan sends a pleasant burst of heat through me, and I bite down gently. When her nails rake down my back, I bite harder. She gasps, her pussy tightening around me. Are you close, Karamiya? I meet her eyes again, 
Our sweat-slicked bodies sliding against each other as the erotic slap of our flesh ricochets around the room. Are you going to come on my cock? So, so filthy. She isn't scolding. Instead, she clenches me even tighter. Oh, you like it dirty, don't you, my wife? I whisper in her ear. You like being filled with my cock and coated with my cum, don't you? Oh, Nick. She moans as I pull her hair and suck her throat, pinning her tender skin between my teeth. Reaching down, I ease my hand between us and press my thumb to her clit. She freezes, her hips lock, and as I swirl that sweet little spot, she falls apart, her pussy clutching me as she digs her nails into my back, holding on to me as she rides her wave of pleasure. The pressure is too much, her sounds like an aphrodisiac all their own, and I can't stop my release. I shove inside her, pressing against her womb, and groan as I fall right along with her, giving her my seed, my love. I grind against her, pulling out every last bit of her orgasm until she's spent. I go to my elbows and kiss her, pouring my love into her as our souls bind together as one. She is mine as I am hers, and no one will ever come between us. If anyone tries, they'll meet the same fate as her father. She sleeps on my chest, her easy breaths tickling along my skin. I grab my phone and check it. Gio and Dante have been blowing me up though I suspect they knew I wouldn't check it until I'd taken my bride's virginity and left my mark. Mission accomplished. The texts are all in the same vein. Pasquale, Sophia's grandfather, has joined with the Fulmaris and mobilized an army to take me down. I sigh. Hmm? She looks up, her angel eyes sleepy, and sated. Go to sleep, cara mia. I pull her fingers to my lips and kiss them. When I move to get up, she grabs hold of me. Where are you going? Business. I stroke her soft hair. You know this life. Please be careful. If my queen commands it, then I shall do it. I kiss her lips, giving her a gentle goodbye as I slide the rest of the way out of the bed. I need you to come back to me, alive. She sits up now, the sheet clutched to her chest. I hurry into my closet and throw on some clothes. My men need to get moving, and a strategy is already coming together in my mind. At the end of this night, I'll have the lion's share of underworld business in this town and Pasquale's blood on my hands. I will. I go back to her 
and kiss her again, slowly this time, savoring her mouth as my body heats again. I can't leave you unattended. Not when the treasure between your legs deserves another good licking and an especially thorough fucking. She blushes beautifully. You have a filthy mouth. Only for you. I kiss her again, then back away from the bed before I'm tempted to climb back into it and make good on my words. Please be safe. Her eyes are wide, worry swirling in them. Sleep, cara mia. I'll return before the dawn and make you moan. Backing out of the double doors, I have my men close them, then put on my game face. Neither of you are to leave her side, understand me? She is to be protected at all costs. If you fail me, I will have your heads. Are we clear? Yes, boss. I clap them on the shoulders. Good men. Turning, I meet Gio in the hallway, his longer hair a mess and his face drawn. They moved on one of our warehouses. Which one? Carter Street. He follows me down the stairs. I smirk as I find a good portion of my men assembled below. Opening my arms, I grin. Who's ready to spill blood tonight? A roar goes up from my soldiers, and I walk among them, preparing them for war. Chapter 15 Sophia I lie in bed staring up at the ceiling. My heart is both full and heavy. I try and sleep, but I can't stop thinking about Nick. Even though it's the middle of the night, I can't stay in this bed one more second. I sit up and swing my legs over the side. I'm sore from Nick taking me, but the pleasure he gave me outweighed the pain tenfold. My body had adjusted and opened for him as though it knew we were meant to be one. The memory sends a flash of heat through me. I scoot off the bed and go in search of something to wear because there is no way in hell that I'll be falling back asleep while Nick is out there putting himself in danger. It's a double-edged sword. I didn't want him to go, but I knew he had to. It's the only way, and it's how our families take care of things. There's no stopping it, and in the end, it will keep us safe. Marco, too. I should go find him, make sure he isn't getting himself into something. He tends to be reckless sometimes. Him showing up here to begin with only reinforces the fact that he can be careless. My hope is that he'll learn to not react as quickly as he gets older. I pause when I see a small gun on the nightstand. I don't remember it being there before. I think I would have noticed it but I was sort of engaged in other activities, so I may have missed it. When my back had hit the bed, all of my focus had been on my husband. I'd let myself forget about everything else for a little while. No grief, no pain, just us. But now the world snaps back into sharp focus. He left a gun for me, 
I reach over and pick it up. I've grown up around them, but oddly, I've never touched one before. Mafia princesses aren't supposed to know how to handle a weapon. But I've seen them around and know how they work. It's just that no one has ever placed one in my hand. Not until Nick. Whether he's here or not, he's made sure with the men at the door and this gun that I'm protected. A warm feeling courses through me at the level of concern he has for me. I don't know why I'm even shocked that he would go to such great lengths to protect me. He's told me so many times since we met that I'm his queen. I take the gun with me as I head toward the closet. It's then I realize that I have no clothes here. I place the gun on the island in the giant walk-in closet. It looks as though one side has already been completely cleared out for me. My fingers brush along the row of Nick's clothes until I find a shirt that's to my liking. It's a simple white button-down. I bring it to my nose to see if I can smell my husband's scent on it. Yes, it comforts me, and I slide it over my head before grabbing the gun and heading back to the bedroom. I find my panties on the floor. I snag them up as I enter the bathroom to try and make myself look somewhat presentable before I go roaming around my new home. I knock on the door before I open it, knowing the two men are out there, guarding it with their lives. I'm opening the door, I tell them as I swing it open. One guard turns to face me while the other keeps watch on the hallway. The guard's eyes take me in, and then snap to my face. It's then I realize I don't have the nerve it takes to pull off just Nick's shirt in front of his men. Something you need, Mrs. Da Vinci? His eyes are no longer even on me, but focused on something behind me. No, I'll be right back, I say as I backpedal and close the door in his face. My cheeks heat with embarrassment as I walk back to the closet to try and find some sweats or something to wear. I'm hoping that my new husband owns some. Nick Da Vinci doesn't look as though he's the type that wears casual clothes. He looks like he was born to wear a suit. So I'm not very hopeful that I'll find anything useful, but I check anyway. No luck. I look in the mirror. The shirt almost hits my knees. It's pretty much a dress. That's what I reason with myself before I decide to say the hell with it. I open the door again. They both flick their eyes toward me before focusing back on the hallway. I guess I'm supposed to be invisible to them? They were instructed to lay down their lives for me but not look at me? I almost laugh at how ridiculous those orders sound. So I guess it doesn't matter what I wear after all. My brother? I question, hoping one of them might have information on where he is. I will locate him for you, Mrs. Da Vinci, the one on the right says. Ah, thank you? I don't mean for it to come out sounding like a question, but it's going to take a little while for me to get used to how the men treat me here. It's so different from what I'm used to. They have respect for women in this house. Anything you need? He nods, pulling out his phone. I need one of those, too. Sophia, are you hungry? I turn to see Carlotta standing at the end of the hallway. Come, I'll make you something to eat. 
Soon, you will have a da Vinci inside of you, and you'll need all the extra weight that you can get. I mean, I had a da Vinci inside of me an hour ago, but, oh, oh, she means a baby. My cheeks warm. My hand goes to my stomach. You think? My eyes go round. Why hadn't I thought of that? It is all I worried about before. I'd made sure to protect myself from pregnancy when I married Antonio. I'd forgotten about my pills once Nick had gotten his hands on me. In my defense, I hadn't exactly had time to pack any belongings before Nick whisked me away. I'll have to get more. I'm sure if I call Marco, he could have them to me in an hour if I asked him to. But maybe I don't want them. Maybe I want to have a piece of Nick inside of me. It's rash and sudden and unexpected, but yes, I want to have a family with him. Yes, a baby. I look up to see Carlotta is now in front of me. She cups my face with one hand gently. It's a mother's touch, soft and sweet. You will fill this big home with laughter and love. It has already begun. She gives a firm nod, her face growing serious. Da Vinci will end this war tonight. He knows what's at stake. Her eyes meet mine, reassuring me that Nick will come home to me. Enough talk about war. We should eat. She turns with a sure step and strides down the hall. Not exactly knowing my way around my new home, I follow her. She points things out to me, giving me a small tour as we go. I don't miss how many times she says, and this could be a child's room. She is like a grandma itching for grandchildren. I smile and listen to all she has to tell me. If anyone knows more about the house than Nick, it would be Carlotta. Marco, I say when I enter the kitchen and see him pacing back and forth. I run over to him. Where did you get that? He tries to take the gun I still have in my hand. Neither Carlotta or the two guards have said a word about me having it. I pull my hand back. My husband gave it to me. Marco's jaw goes tight. He wants to say something about the gun, but doesn't. I hope it's because he respects Nick's decision to give me a gun and isn't going to question it. Be careful with that thing, Soph, he says before he takes a seat at the counter. You haven't had any training. This is the danger end, right? I point to the grip. He wrinkles his nose and shakes his head as I roll my eyes. Oh, Soph. I turn and look at the big kitchen. It's sleek and modern with smooth marble countertops. I walk over, taking a seat on a stool next to Marco and place the gun on the countertop. I run my finger along the white and gray marble, daydreaming of little da Vinci's running all over this place. The kitchen can be such an integral part of our lives. It's where families come together. I want that with Nick. You happy, Soph? My brother's words break me from my thoughts. Happier than I ever thought possible. I love him, Marco. I know it seems quick, but I can feel it in my soul. This doesn't feel like a transaction, like I'm being sold. Not like it did with Antonio. With Nick, it feels more like an agreement, a vow that actually means something. 
My brother looks into my eyes, then down for a long time, as if he's processing what I just said. After a while, he nods his head in acceptance. So, you going to tell me why you were pacing? I ask as Carlotta starts warming food. Nick wouldn't let me go with them, he admits, making me love my husband even more. You wanted to go? I elbow him lightly, to fight for the Da Vinci's? He shrugs, you're my family. And if you choose the Da Vinci's, he clasps my hand, so do I. Manja, Carlotta says as she finishes placing food on the countertop. The tension in Marco breaks somewhat as his stomach rumbles. We dig in, enjoying the food. Carlotta's prepared a simple burrata, and we devour it as if we've never seen the deliciousness that is mozzarella before. So good, I steal the last bite from Marco. He tries to swipe for it. Hey, that's... My heart stops when a loud pop sounds, followed by an alarm blaring. My hand goes for the gun, my fingers wrapping around the cold steel. Sophia! Carlotta grabs my wrist and pulls me from the kitchen. Marco follows at my heels. What's happening? I don't know why I ask the question. I know the answer. War. Upstairs. Carlotta, surprisingly spry, leads me up the stairs at almost a run and shows me to a room on the opposite end of the house from the bedroom. More gunfire rings out and men yell. Someone at the front door calls, it's Pasquale's men, take them out. My guards position themselves in the hall behind us, their guns drawn. Carlotta opens a heavy door and pulls me inside a room lined with flat screens. What is this? Safe room. She motions for Marco to come inside. He glances at me, resolve on his face. Panic blooms in my heart. Marco, don't go out. I have to. No. I dart to the door, but he shuts it in my face. Marco, I yell and beat on the sturdy door. The wood panel is just a veneer. I can tell there's metal beneath it. Whirling, I grab Carlotta. Please open it, he'll be killed. I can't, she shakes her head. Why not? I look around for a handle, a button, anything. But the wall and door are completely smooth. Nick left strict orders for your safety. And this is the only way he can do what he needs to do. You're a liability. What? I cry. Her face softens a bit as she pulls me to the screens. I only mean that you're his heart. If he thinks you could be in danger, he won't be able to focus on doing what needs to be done. He'd be too worried about you. I swallow hard and try to think calmly. I'm not there yet, but what she says does make some sense. I think I understand. Even so, worry for Marco and Nick eats away at what little composure I have. But Marco is just a kid. I watch as he heads down the stairs, and one of Nick's men gives him a gun. No, no, no. Nick is coming. Try to trust that he'll keep all of us safe. She points to a screen showing the busted front gate and the black SUVs speeding up the long drive. 
And please keep in mind that this isn't the first time fools have come for the Da Vinci's. She turns and opens a cabinet along the windowless wall. Pulling out a semi-automatic rifle, she cocks it like a professional and lays it on the wide mahogany desk beneath the screens. If they come for us, we'll be ready. My gun looks like a toy compared to hers. Damn, Carlotta. I have a newfound appreciation for her, and I don't think my eyes have ever been wider in my life. She pats my arm in her grandmotherly way. No one will hurt you, not on my watch. I peer at another view and watch as Nick steps from one of the SUVs. More cars barrel down the drive, and then the real war begins. Chapter 16 Nick How many men have I put down today? I can't keep count, probably shouldn't. When St. Peter turns me away from the pearly gates, I'm certain he'll have that number handy. For now, I have to deal death to keep my family safe. I skid to a halt in front of the stone house that the da Vinci's have called home for almost a century and jump from my SUV. A trail of blood leads across the drive, and a body lies still in the landscaping. One of Pasquale's men. More are coming, I whistle, and soldiers pour out from the front of my home and around the sides. Squealing tires announce the arrival of more thugs tasked with taking me down. Pasquale won't be among them. He's too chicken shit to get his hands dirty. But that ends today. He doesn't play chess, not the way I do. Because I have a queen now who rules the board. His pawns can't stop me, because with Sophia at my side, I'm the most powerful king this city has ever known. And my knights? Well, let's just say their loyalty is only matched by their bloodlust. A white SUV races toward me, a passenger hanging out the side with a submachine gun, firing haphazardly at me. I duck behind my car as bullets thunk into its metal and a few windows behind me shatter. Worry sparks inside me, then fizzles, because I know Carlotta pulled Sophia to safety at the first sign of trouble. Once the white SUV skids to a halt and almost crashes into an oak lining my drive, I step out and fire into the shadows. My soldiers follow, several of them rushing down the drive toward the broken gate. They let out a barrage of gunfire at the approaching invaders, yells and cries of pain shooting up into the night. Glancing up, I make sure Geo is ready. I can barely see him, but I don't need to. I see the 50 caliber Gatling gun rise from its hiding spot onto a steel platform. Marco ducks out the front door and comes to stand beside me. Shit's about to get real. I hitch a thumb at Geo on the roof. Are you ready for this? He pulls out his pistol. I'm Da Vinci. Are you certain? I'm surprised, 
but unbelievably proud that he's chosen my side. He gives a hard nod. If Sophia trusts you, then so do I. I don't have time to tell him that he will be like a prince here, that he will one day stand as my equal and be free to begin his own family, his own operation. But all that and more swirls in my mind as I think about the future, about what Sophia and I can build with him and for him. The kid's right on time, because another load of Pasquale's soldiers mow down some of my men as they try to overwhelm us with sheer numbers. Truck after truckful of wannabe capos destroy my front lawn and desecrate my fallen soldiers. Gunfire spurts from each window, muzzle flashes lighting the night as they fill my car and my home with metal slugs. Marco returns fire, ducking behind the SUV with me. Rage boils up inside me at the fucking disrespect in this attack, and it grows even hotter when I think of my Sophia inside, probably terrified as our lives are threatened. I reach inside my SUV and pull out my big gun, a weapon that belongs on the battlefield. It's loaded. I'm ready. I fire as the onslaught comes. Geo plays a single sharp tone through the estate's PA system. The attackers won't know what it means, but my men do. They scatter back toward the house, running for their lives. When I hear the 50 caliber begin to whir, I grin. Blood already streaks my shirt and my hands, none of it mine. The heavy thud of each slug from the 50 caliber gun is like a fireworks explosion right beside me. Greenery flies, tree limbs fall, and our enemies crumple under the inescapable onslaught. I join in the melee, picking off any soldiers who try to run toward my home. They don't even set foot onto the roundabout before I've cut them down. My men team behind me, seething to kill anyone who threatens our superiority. One of the SUVs explodes and flames shoot into the night as utter carnage dots my lawn. Once satisfied, I hold up my hand. The barrage stops, and the night fills with groans, screams, and sirens. This is going to take a hefty payoff to Police Chief Vandridge. But he's swept plenty of crimes under the rug for me before. Sir? Tony waits at my elbow, his eyes on movement in my shattered grounds. I turn toward my men and beat my chest with one fist. Da Vinci! Da Vinci! They yell back. Finish them off. I wave them forward. They rush onto the field like a swarm of locusts, and soon enough, there are no more groans or screams of pain. Only the sirens now. Geo hurries from the house and surveys the damage. You weren't kidding when you said the 50 caliber would be worth it. I clap him on the shoulder. 
Promise Chief Vandridge whatever sum he wants when he shows up. Turning toward the house, I jump up the front steps. Where are you going? He calls. I wipe one hand down my face, and it comes away bloody. To see my bride. Boss! My guards part from me as I stride to the safe room. Pulling open a hidden panel, I punch in the code, and the door clicks. Before I can get to it, it swings outward, and Sophia jumps into my arms. I thought they were going to kill you. She trembles as I hold her. And there's blood. Oh my God, are you hurt? No. I turn and carry her to my master bedroom. This blood isn't mine. Is it over? Are we? Not yet. I stride into the master bath, set her on the counter, then strip, tossing my bloody clothes aside. Her eyes widen as I reach into the shower and turn on the hot water. Then her gaze travels to my rock-hard cock. Killing for her has gotten my blood up so high that I can't think of anything else, can't take another step until I'm inside her where I belong. Strip, cara mia. I grab the front of her shirt, my shirt, I think smugly, and rip it apart. Buttons pop onto the tile as her luscious curves are revealed. My cock is hard, ready to claim my queen, just as any conqueror would. Because this war may not be over, but I've already won it. Leaning down, I capture one nipple in my mouth. Her squeak of surprise is full of innocence. But the way she runs her hands through my hair, she's a vixen. I strip her panties away, then carry her into the shower. Blood sluices down the drain as the warm water flows over us. Pressing her back against the tile, I kiss up her throat. I will kill for you, Karamia. Anyone who comes to threaten your throne will lie dead at your feet. God, Nick. She pulls my face to hers, and we share a searing kiss. When I press my cock to her pussy, she moans a little. I know she's sore, but my need for her can't be denied. With slow strokes, I tease her clit, running my cock along her hot, wet skin. Before long, She's clawing my shoulders and arching against me, her body mine to command. Every life I take, I give to you. I will bathe in the blood of any man who tries to come for you, for our family. I mean every word. I know. She presses one palm to my cheek. Her breathing is ragged, her eyes wild as I plunge into her. 
Swallowing her cry, I push all the way inside, filling my queen with my cock as the blood of her enemies washes down the drain. Chapter 17 Sophia The warm water trickles down my body as Nick thrusts into me with hungry urgency. We're connected not only physically, but in every aspect of our lives now. I push down on his cock, taking him fully. His body is full of adrenaline from all of the blood he shed to protect the Da Vinci name, to protect me. It's my name now, my family, one I will proudly own. I'm sorry, Karamia, if I'm being rough with you, he says as his eyes meet mine. I trace my finger down his handsome face and kiss his lips with a matched hunger, wanting him to know I'm there with him. We both need this. My body doesn't care about the small ache of losing my virginity only hours ago. The desire to be connected to him in the most primal way is greater. Take me harder, my king. I whisper the words against his lips, letting him know that I need this release as much as he does. He growls at my words and begins to drive into me deeper. We both let the moment take us, forgetting about everything around us. I will never deny you anything you ask for, Karamia. One of his hands grips my ass, his fingers digging into me as I continue to push down on his cock. This will be quick. Another time, I will spend hours worshiping you the way you deserve. But we have family things to attend to tonight. He reaches his free hand down to rub my clit. He already has me on edge, my body wrapped tightly around his. His touch is what drives me over the edge. I shout his name as I come all over his cock. My body locks around him tightly, never wanting to leave his hold. I cling to him because this man has become my everything. I know he always will be. That's right, come for me. He continues to work me. I'm going to spill every last drop of me into this tight pussy. Our kingdom will be expanding sooner rather than later. Is that what you want, Karamia? To be round with my child? My breath shudders at his words. His warmth spills inside of me, and I moan out his name as my whole body goes lax in his hold. I don't have to worry about holding myself up. He does it for me as he washes my body tenderly. When he starts to do his own, I stop him, wanting to take care of him. I explore his body with my hands. My fingertips trace every muscle, every scar, until I finally reach his cock, which is hard again. He gently grabs my hand, holding it in his. Later, my Karamia. He turns off the water and leads me from the shower. He dries us both before sitting me on the counter next to the sink. Handing me a brush, he leaves and returns a moment later with clothes. He takes the brush from my hand and begins slowly working through my hair. My breath hitches. Here is a man whose hands killed so many men mere minutes before, but with me, he is soft and sweet. Our little girls will have your hair. He says it as though he demands such things to be true. I'm starting to believe that he can. I lick my lips. What is it, Karamia? 
He places the brush down, sweeping my hair to the side to kiss my bare shoulder. You want to tell me something? How easily he reads me. At one time that would have scared me, but not with Nick. I love that in such a short time, he knows me so well already. I love him. I place my hands on his chest. I've been on birth control, I admit. Not sure how he'll take that. He seems to hold his breath, but no longer. I shake my head no, not since I left. I pause, not wanting to call where I once lived home. There. You wish to go back on it? I can feel his body tense under my fingertips. No. He relaxes under my hold. I look up to meet his eyes. I love you. It doesn't matter the amount of time I've known this man. He was willing to give me something he didn't want to in this moment. I know if I would have told him yes, he would have gotten the pills. He may have hated doing it, but for me, he would have. He truly is my king. I love you too, wife. He leans down, kissing me deeply. When he pulls back, he presses his forehead to mine. I run my hands up his broad bare back. I was only on it because, because my queen is not only smart, but crafty. He finishes for me before placing another kiss on my lips. You knew you belonged to another and would not grant such a man as Antonio a child. But for you, I'd give anything. He smiles, a rare thing I'm sure for such a man. It makes my insides melt. I try and pull him to me, wanting him to take me back to our bed. You tempt me, wife. He lifts me from the counter. Let's dress and finish this after business. Then I'm all yours. He gives me a playful wink that doesn't help with cooling my lust for him. Especially when he is showing me his playful side, but I know he's right. We need to finish protecting our family's future before I can have this and every part of Nick for the rest of our lives. If we are to grow as a family, we must clean up the aftermath of this war. These will do for now, he asks, picking up the clothes he's brought in for me. We will get you more. I have a feeling you don't want the ones from Lorenzo's. No, I agree, I don't. I have a few things I want from there, things that belong to my mother. They're already boxed up. I will get them for you. He gives me another kiss before he turns to leave. I can't help but watch him go. Even naked, he strides around with superior confidence. Power rolls off him. I can't believe my family tried to challenge him at all. It meant death. They had to know that. I grab the clothes, slipping on the underwear before pulling on the wide-legged white pants that are paired with a pink lacy petal top. I wonder if Carlotta went out to get these for me. It's pretty and more my style. It makes me think back to when I used to make my journals and blogs filled with the latest styles and trends. Nick comes up behind me a moment later as I stare at myself in the mirror. They work? He hands me a pair of silver flats that have a ring over the toe for your feet to slide into to hold in place. I love them. I turn, taking them from his hand. I tilt my head back to offer him a kiss. 
He leans down, giving me what I ask for. You look beautiful. You make me feel beautiful. You make me feel like me again. He does. He's dressed in his normal pair of slacks and button-down shirt. It's almost laughable. He looks like he's dressed for the boardroom. I guess this is a meeting of sorts. Business will be handled. Ours is just a little different than the rest of the world, but normal for us. This is our life. I hated it a week ago, but now I welcome it because with it, I get Nick. He makes all the difference in this life. I know with him, it will be a different kind of world. Good. I bend down, slipping the shoes onto my feet. Nick takes my hand in his. He leads me out of the bedroom and down the hallway. We descend the stairs. I see all of his men lingering about. Many are still spotted in blood. He guides me with him down a hallway I haven't ventured into yet. My brother stands in front of a door and steps out of the way. Nick gives him a nod as he opens the door that leads down to the basement. When I look down the stairs, everything is concrete. It's nothing like the rest of the house. It's cold and bare. A shiver races up my spine because I know who will be at the bottom of those stairs. It will be the ending of the Scalingi family, but the beginning of my new life as a da Vinci, who I have always belonged to. I'd just been waiting for my king to find me. Now we will finish what he started, but with me by his side. Chapter 18 Nick To Sophia's credit, she manages the stairs without flinching. Each step brings her closer to a decision that will set the course of our family but she does not falter. I lead her deeper into the basement, to the back where the floor is stained permanently dark, the first streaks dating back to the founding of this family. The da Vinci name is built on the blood of its enemies. That blood must continually be spilled to keep us strong, to protect what's ours. We tread across the darkening concrete, until we come to a cinder block room with a heavy steel door. Dante and Gio stand on either side of it, their eyes on me. Sophia clutches my hand. Be strong, cara mia. I jerk my chin at Gio, and he opens the door. She gasps, perhaps at the smell, but follows me inside. A bare bulb hangs overhead, the light harsh in the small space. A rusted metal table sits to the right, the implements laid out on top, covered in blood, some old, some new. We don't focus too much on the cleanliness in this room, mainly because those who end up here don't make it out alive. Pasquale Scalini sits in the center, his arms and legs bound to a chair, his left eye swollen shut. Other than that, a split lip, a busted nose, and a missing pinky, he's in decent shape. Dante hasn't gotten to the power equipment yet. Usually, 
Pasquale would already be dead. His blood would be mingling with all the rest. This floor soaks up their payment year after year, adding to the debt alo when my ticket is eventually punched. But that won't come until I'm old and gray. And it will come on my terms, no one else's. Today is different, though. Today, I will not be judge, jury, and executioner. After all, a king can't make these decisions without consulting his queen. I steady her, holding her in front of me, safe in my arms, as we face down her grandfather. Have anything to say, Pasquale? He spits a wad of blood onto the floor. To you? To your granddaughter. I see no granddaughter here. He looks right at her. Speak carefully, old man. She is the one who will decide your fate. She tenses even more and turns to look up at me. Me? You, I nod. You've suffered the most at the hands of the Scalingi men. You will decide what is to be done with your grandfather. She returns her gaze to Pasquale. I don't have a grandfather, according to Pasquale. So why should I care what happens to him? Sophia. Pasquale's tone changes, softens, turns cajoling. Please, my dear, don't... Tell me about my mother. The ice in her voice sends a throbbing need straight to my cock. What do you mean, Sophia? I mean, she takes a step forward. What happened to her? I didn't hurt her. He tries to shrug. That's hard to do when you're duct taped to a metal chair. But you know what happened, don't you? He looks away with his one good eye. Tell me. Her shout reverberates off the cinder block walls. Now he starts to shake, and a new puddle of piss trickles from him. She, she wanted to leave. To take you and Marco, but Lorenzo, he wouldn't let her. So? Did you know? She takes another step forward, and I follow, keeping her pressed to me, showing her just how much her strength turns me on. Did I know what? Did you know she wanted to leave? He looks away again. Whatever poker face he once had, it's gone now. Only fear lives in him. No trickery, no cunning. Pathetic. You knew, didn't you? Her words are like a whip striking the old man. You knew, and you and Lorenzo agreed to kill her. Isn't that it? That's the way it works. The men decide and the women suffer? He shakes so hard that the chair rattles. No, 
I would never. No, Sophia, you know I would never. All those times I cried for her, asked about her. She lifts a hand to the delicate scar on her forehead. You knew she was dead. You knew. And you had a hand in killing her. My father may have done the deed, but you were in on it. You gave the go-ahead. With a quick movement, she grabs a screwdriver from the table and approaches him. You're the reason she's dead. You're the reason I have this. She moves her hair so he can see the scar. Holding up the screwdriver, she strikes him. He screams, and blood streams down his forehead. No, Sophia, I, I tried to save her. Yes, I... Tell your lies to someone else. She tosses the screwdriver down and backs away as Pasquale cries like the weak, insignificant piece of shit he is. I kiss her hair. My queen. I whisper into her ear, my fierce queen. I'm sorry, he sobs. Don't kill me. Your mother knew the risks. She chose to marry him. She, she was sold to him the same way you sold me to Antonio. He sputters, now completely out of excuses. Sophia, please. I'm your blood. No. She turns and wraps her arms around my neck, then gives me a kiss that sets my soul on fire. This is my blood. I am Da Vinci. With a look that could set a city ablaze, she turns to him and we will kill all those who would seek to destroy us. Caramia. I take her mouth again, tasting the sweet vengeance on her tongue. Lifting her, I carry her from the room. Gio and Dante know what to do. My queen's edict is final. I won't give Pasquale the honor of killing him myself. Not when I want to gorge myself on my rare, spiteful beauty. I carry her up the stairs, then turn into my office, slamming the door behind me. What about the other families? She's breathless as I sit her on the desk. We'll dine with them tonight. I grip her pants and yank them down, then grab her lacy pink panties. And you don't need these. With a hard pull, I rip them away, then drop to my knees. Oh, Nick! She squeals as I lick her tight cunt, then suck her clit. Pasquale is dying beneath our feet, the old family disintegrating as we build our new one. I lick her, sucking her nub until she's gasping, her hands in my hair. Then I rise, pull out my cock, and claim her. She claws my neck, her mouth a wild thing on mine as I fuck her hard. She can take it. 
She can take anything I give her. The desk scrapes across the floor as I yank her ass forward, getting so deep in her that she'll feel me for the rest of the day. Wrapping her legs around me, she keens. More. I give it to her, each punishing stroke making me harder, making me crazed for her. When she reaches between us and touches herself, I can't take the sight of it, the way her small fingers rub against that pink, wet flesh. Shoving deep, I come hard, coating her with me as she moans and her pussy spasms around me. Our love is explosive. The desire burning away anything that came before, no one can stand against us. We are one, my queen and I, and we will rule with love for each other and with fear from everyone else. Epilogue Sophia Almost three years later Garamea I look up from my computer when I hear Nick's voice. I've been perched on the top of his desk, even though I have an office of my own. I enjoy working in his space when he's away. It's close to the front of the house. I can normally hear people come and go, but I must have zoned out while working on the latest article for my blog. Our cat, Fredo, jumps from the desk and winds around my husband's legs. He leans down and strokes his head. Why is there a dead chipmunk on the front steps? Fredo purrs. Nick grins, his deadly humor on display. I know it was you, Fredo. Is that the only pussy you missed? I bite my lip as my salty language hits him. He looks up at me, fire in his eyes. I smile and push off the desk to greet him. He shrugs off his suit jacket, tossing it away before I get to him. He lifts me, my feet dangling as he kisses me. I've missed him. His mouth on me always reminds me of being home. When he's away, our house doesn't feel the same. What have you been up to? I ask, but kiss him again before he can respond. He smiles against my lips, out checking on things, the normal. But I missed you. I always do when I'm away. How has your day been, my queen? I laugh in his hold. Nick hates being away from me, and every single time he acts as though it's been days instead of mere hours that we were apart. Glancing up at the bedroom overhead, I say, I got Nikolai down for his nap and have been working on a new blog post. I brought you something, but it can wait until you are done, if you wish. He places me back down on my feet, his hand comes to my belly, where he rubs the small bump that is our baby girl. I'm barely in my second trimester, but technology is crazy these days, and they've already told us we're having a little girl. When they gave us the news, it was one of the only times I saw fear in my husband's eyes. He's going to be so overprotective. I'll have to make sure we balance out, but we always do. Each of us have an equal say in how our home is run. It took me some time to get used to that, but now I don't know how anyone lives without it. 
Nick asking and respecting my opinions only makes me love him more. He is what a man truly should be, soft with me, hard with anyone who crosses me. I wave my hand toward the computer. All this can wait. What did you get me? I wiggle around to try and see past him. Gio is standing at the front door, which is still open to the bright day. Nick smiles indulgently. I thought it would be easier to bring the choices here. You said you wanted to get Marco a car for his 18th birthday. Did you bring a dealership here? I laugh. When his face doesn't change, I know I hit the nail on the head. How many cars do you have out there? I raise an eyebrow at him. Six. He wraps an arm around me, pulling me close. You choose quickly, and maybe I'll have time to eat your sweet pussy before our little one wakes up and steals you from me. I roll my eyes. Nick is having his own inner battle with the whole breastfeeding thing. He wants me to do it, but he also hates that I can never stray too far away from the baby. I loathe that stupid breast pump thing, but there's only one more month to go and I'll be finished. Well, until our daughter comes and we start all over again. But I'll never complain about anything I have. The road to get here wasn't always easy, but Nick changed my direction and my life. I'm thankful every day for all that he has given me and the love we share. He leads me outside where there are indeed six brand new vehicles parked. I know nothing about cars. I want Marco to have something nice but safe. He's been doing so well in school. I don't think graduation would be on his radar if Nick hadn't come along. Now Marco's always talking about college. I almost dropped my fork the other night when he said pre-law was something he was considering. His words had given me so much pride. Another man in a suit stands by the center car. I'm guessing he's the car salesman because I don't recognize him and I know everyone that comes and goes. Nick starts telling me about the cars and SUVs one by one. This has the best safety rating? I turn to look at the salesman. Out of all of them? They all are beautiful cars, honestly. But I'm sure if Marco were here, he'd likely want a sports car. The man doesn't respond to me, but turns to Nick. This one has bulletproof glass. He knocks on the window of the Mercedes. I think it's called a G-Wagon. Look to my wife when she asks you a question, not me. Nick snaps. The man's eyes flick back to mine before they go to the ground. I don't have to look to my Nick to know he's pissed. He hates when I'm talking, but people look at him to respond and speak for me. I place my hand on his, knowing my touch will calm him. The salesman isn't from our world. There's been enough blood spilled on this front lawn, and the gardener was just here this morning to do our landscaping. Thank you, but that will be all. I turn, heading back into the house. You heard my wife. Leave, Nick says, motioning for them to be gone. I meant no disrespect, Mr. Da Vinci, the man stutters. You should not be addressing me, but my wife, with your apologies. I smile as I climb the front steps. I love that man with everything I have. Nick, I say from the front door, I think we should call our other contacts to see what selection they have available. 
I'm not even sure if we have any other contacts, but it sounded good as I said it. Some may say I'm cruel, but I will not tolerate disrespect in my home. Those days are long gone. To earn respect in this world, you have to know your worth. And thanks to Nick, I know mine. I turn and head inside, but not before I catch the smirk that graces my husband's face. I hurry to our bedroom, turned on by that little show of force. I hear Nick's footsteps, letting me know that he's close behind. I barely make it a few steps into the room when his hands wrap around me, pulling me gently into his body. He begins placing open kisses along my neck, and his hand slides down into my panties to feel the slickness that is formed between my legs. He growls in satisfaction as he begins to rub my clit. Does my queen get aroused by her power? I shake my head no. It's not my power that has me aroused, but the respect that Nick demands others give me. It's you. Everything about you. Always you. I say. I turn, causing his hand to slip from between my legs so that I can look into his eyes. Cara mia, I only ask them to give you what you deserve. He leans in to take my lips. I will never get tired of how his mouth feels when it meets mine. I reach down and unfasten his pants, then reach in and grab his hard cock, allowing it to spring free of his boxer briefs. Before Nick realizes what I'm doing, I break the kiss and drop to my knees in front of him. No, Karamia, not when you are pregnant with my child. You should not be on your knees in front of me. I stroke him, letting him know that I'm not backing down. My king, you said you would always give your queen whatever she desires. He growls as I lick the wetness from the tip of his cock. I don't stop there, I take him into my mouth fully. He groans as I suck him as deep as I can take him. Eyes on me, Karamia. I want you to see the pleasure that sweet mouth of yours brings me. I do as he says. His hand wraps into my hair, gripping it tightly as he begins to take my mouth. Is this what you wanted, my queen? Does it bring you pleasure to take my cock in your mouth? To have me at your mercy? I moan a yes around him, my core clenching because he's right. I love to please him, to make him mad with lust. He always makes me feel strong. But when we're in our bedroom, the give and take is the ultimate power play. He jacks his cock into my mouth, my tongue greeting each stroke, before he's pulling away and lifting me from my knees. My back hits the bed as he climbs over me, his knees pushing my thighs apart. He leans forward, lightly kissing my mouth before he grabs his cock and lines it up to my entrance. I lift my hips, begging him to give me what I need. He pushes inside of me until he is fully seated. You're so beautiful, cara mia, he says as he moves inside of me. My love, my queen, mine. I spread wider, taking all of him, reveling in his touch and his love. Forever, my king. Forever, Da Vinci. This has been a production of His Virgin Queen, written by Mink and performed by Mackenzie Cartwright and Lance Greenfield. 
Please visit minkromance.com for information on new releases and audiobooks from Mink. We're back. (laughs) I'm just going to need to come up with like 400 titles though for a bear book, like Grin and Bear It. (laughs) Like, barely legal. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, I like that one. Right? I know you do. This is going to be the Boardroom Bear Collection, all right? We're going to get all our (laughs) author friends to write in it. Everybody's going to get their own 5,000-word Barry short story. (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay, so go to Kindle Unlimited, download um, Make's books. She has tons of them uh, for free on there or free with the subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Uh, There's a $50 gift card giveaway happening right now at readmeromance.com, so head over there and uh, enter to win. His Deadly Darling is on sale right now for 99 cents. So that's if you're looking for a place to start uh, with Mink and her books, which I know you do want to get into them, go check that out. And then His Stolen Bride is new this week if you're already a Mink fan and you want something new. So, And then I wanted to mention um, Marco is in this book. It's the heroine's br- little brother. Um, he has his own book. So if you want to keep going... You can pick that up, and I believe it's an audio as well. Awesome. Okay, we'll be back next week with, with more, and uh, I think that's it. So, Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. 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 Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance.